Welcome to the inaugural podcast for the PwC Chair in the Digital Economy. My name is Monica Bradley and I'm here at QUT today with Professor Michael Roseman and Professor Rowena Barrett. Today's conversation is uh, about why does the PwC Chair in, in, uh, in Digital Economy really exist? Michael? So thanks, Monica. Great question. We're excited about this chair and this chair will allow us to understand the digital economy. A lot of people talk about digital, the digitized economy, and the impact of smartphones, 3D printing, robotics. What we lack is sound, fact-based guidance and understanding of what is emerging in front of our eyes. And we only can do this in combination with industry partners. Uh, The challenge for researchers would be that potentially it would take too long to gain the empirical insight that is needed. So this chair is on the one side unique because it allows us to understand the digital economy, and second, it's unique in its engagement model. It really goes across the whole spectrum from deep basic research to the very pragmatic applied consulting services. And to offer this as one package to our students, but also to our corporate partners is something we're truly excited about. So, Rowena, I can hear the information systems and the data technology coming through in the head of the information systems school's response there. How is it from the business perspective, from the School of Management, what's your perspective on the value of the PwC chair in the digital economy? Well, from our perspective, businesses have always faced a range of different risks and to be successful, to grow and be competitive, they have to be able to analyse the risks and move ahead. What is happening today with the growth change um, in technology is making those risks come quicker and the response possibilities quite divergent and different. So we can see from a business perspective there's a, a need for business people to understand what's going on in the economy and then work out possible routes through and ways to engage in order to maintain any business success. Well, in my practice, I do at the board level where we work with company directors who are trying to write strategy and give direction to corporations and executives. Uh, We see, we start with really a dialogue very much based on a bit of fear and apprehension. You know, people are really, these are uncertain times. The certainty of betting on doing a due diligence on a computer system or a new customer acquisition or an M&A deal that we kind of had in the industrial age and even into the the 90s and the 2000s seem much less certain now. So the risk propensity and and how they take risk at the board table has changed. And part of uh, what I'm seeing is it's a mindset change. So actually it's not so much about having to be across what the latest technology is and how I apply it or even what the latest strategy is. Uh, What I'm finding is actually it's it's a manner of how you approach problem solving and the theory of business and the mindset change is some of what I'm seeing and is very relevant at the board level for the PwC chair in the digital economy. Michael, have you? what's your experience with the corporates you've worked with? Yes, I couldn't agree more. So many organisations are now facing consumers that are more or less uh, digital natives, in particular when they deal with that sort of generation. And the fraction um, the, the, the traction that, that we see here is now that these digital natives are exposed to an organization without a digital mindset, let alone an, an absence of digital natives among their employees. And so the idea that digital natives are born, they yeah, exist by, by nature. A digital mind can be developed by nurture. And to develop this digital mindfulness, not only in the boardroom, but in as many employees as possible, 
is indeed uh, close to the heart of the PwC chair in digital economy. Um, to understand a mindset is a challenge. It is easy to talk about the artifact, the features of a 3D printer. To understand the way you have to think is a different challenge. It is easy to look at a story like Uber. It is harder to understand the design principles behind Uber. And that's the difference between observing a technology and observing a, a mindset that allows you to capitalize on these technologies. And what are you seeing in the, in the management school side, Rowena? Is it similar or different problems? Or? Well, I think in the past, people would have thought about technology as another aspect that they have to deal with in business, where I think today this has got to be forefront, and not just about technology, but as Michael suggests, this need to have a digital mindset, to think differently, not as a, and if I do it this way, but how do I start from that perspective and then think about what is possible in business? Um, from a human perspective, that will mean that there's a need to look at different ways for employees to engage, to ensure that they are innovative and creative, that we've got systems in place. So from, a, from humans and from a management perspective, it will require different ways of thinking and different ways of managing to ensure businesses operate this way. We talk a little bit about a digital native. Is a digital native an age group? Is it a type of person? Is it a way of thinking? Often I think we indeed define it by an age group, but I don't think that is exclusive. Um, a digital native should be defined not by age, but by, by other attributes. Um, I think one is that where, where possible, they tend to prefer digital over physical experiences. If I take our students, um, some students, no offense to the lecture, prefer consuming a lecture by an online digital channel. Um, so when option exists, online shopping and physical shopping, convenience shoppers who are digital natives will potentially gravitate towards the digital channel. So that's an attribute of a digital native. Uh, a second attribute might be, in many cases, they have digital before their physical experiences. Uh, while a non-digital native typically doesn't perceive the world like this. And so these are examples where maybe your first experience is digital before it's physical. Think online dating. Um, the second one is... Um, when, okay, now you got me. <laughs> I thought so, yeah. And the second one is when choice exists that they might prefer digital over physical experiences. So these are for me two attributes of a digital native that go beyond you are, you're younger than 25 or whatever the threshold might be. But I think there's also something about speed. So you're faced with a problem in the past you have to then discover solutions. If I'm faced with a problem now, I go online. You know, I'm not going to wait. I want an answer and I want it now. And I've got the possibility of tapping into multiple people. I can ask a question in a forum and suddenly you get back responses where this it didn't happen anywhere near as quickly in the past. And so for businesses, we see, you know, social marketing campaigns by businesses where they haven't quite got it right. But they put it out quickly and they pull it immediately because it has huge reputational problems if they don't get it right. So you've really hit on a really, I think, a fundamental point in what I'm seeing, certainly in my corporate client base, is that the activism of the consumer or the ultimate user of your product is is in the game of how of the, the profitability of your business like it's never been before. I mean, value chains are being redesigned uh, because citizens can now choose and we can choose with how we spend, how you want it delivered to you. Um, so if 
you like. The, Michael, what are you seeing in terms of you're a process man at your heart? Um, value chain disruption, really, is that being driven by consumer changes in absolutely, preferences? Absolutely. So when Michael Porter designed the idea of a value chain, I don't think he imagined that at any point in time, consumers, citizens, people I don't know, provide the resources needed to execute parts of that value chain. So when the large IT companies came and automated those value chains, there were always business processes. They happened, they started and ended within an organization. And, and your consumer citizens were, were not existent in terms of uh, a digital representation. Um, the transfer from the age of automation to the age of digitization has meant that our value chains all of a sudden became more inclusive. Uh, they're either extended to the citizens or, in some cases, the citizens become your competitors. And assets that you had all of a sudden are crowdsourced, and as you can see with Airbnb or Uber models, uh, replaced. So it's not just an extension of the value chain, and certain components, those who used to be your customer, um, could become your competitor. So the PwC chair in the digital economy, why do we have two government partners? What's the public sector's interest in this part of, uh, in, in this type of a project? Okay, so we've got two partners in the Brisbane city uh, through Brisbane Marketing and, of course, the uh, De city, which is one of the government departments. Government has to deliver services to all Queenslanders. They have to create an economy where we can all engage or as many of us as possible can engage. The, the rationale I, I think about participating in this is seeing where they can support business and individuals to grow in the digital economy. Clearly there's a, um, a desire to um, create jobs, make sure that as many Queenslanders who can have the opportunity to participate economically. So they need to be involved in this conversation about how do we build resilient businesses in the digital economy. They also have a second problem in that they have to deliver services. How do you transport millions of Queenslanders around Queensland? How do you make sure they've got water, power, um, all the services that they need? These things, these sort of wicked problems are not going to be solved with old ways of thinking because if they could, they'd be solved. <laughs> so I guess that's where we've seen uh, some of the open innovation, Michael, that you were part of um, that already started under the PwC chair uh, the last few months of last year. Exactly. So in particular, driven by our sponsor, PricewaterhouseCoopers, open innovation sessions have been facilitated to address those very complex, wicked problems Rovina just mentioned. So wicked problems are problems where we don't have an obvious solution, where we're unclear on how the solution could look like, but where we acknowledge we need multiple disciplines different types of brains we need to contribute. Uh, the digital economy will allow us, on the one side, to find new solutions for some of those wicked problems. Think remote healthcare using sensors. Um, think individuals who come with their own data when it comes to healthcare educational service providers. Um, of course, we have to acknowledge the digital economy in its own right will create new wicked problems. Mm -hmm. So on the one side, we are dedicated to use digital opportunities to solve wicked problems. But we also want to be very much aware what sort of new challenges. Think privacy, trust. You bring your own data, but I'm not sure if I can trust them when I make an assessment. What are the implications? So we want to be mindful of emerging solutions, but also emerging new wicked problems. 
And of course, we're seeing uh, an emergence, as we spoke of earlier, with the corporates having much more activism from their consumers. We're seeing the citizen activism um, certainly in this new economy playing out. So you, what role would citizens play in sort of co-designing or, if you like, influencing government through the digital channels in order to frame, I guess, how the value chain or services of public good get delivered? I guess what we want to make sure is we have a widespread digital literacy. So yes, the digital economy allows us to involve individuals. Of course, our corporate partners, ourselves, the wider community wants to make sure that as many as possible can contribute in an active way when it comes to co-design opportunities, uh, but also in a more passive way. So an advanced digital um, opportunity uh, will require a certain level of digital literacy. It is great that the government gives you maybe one integrated citizen account, but if it takes an hour to set it up, we have a problem. Um, and so what we as a chair have to understand, what's the base level of digital literacy that, that empowers new business models? And then on the more advanced level, what sort of digital literacy is required to become a very active, respected contributor to these business models? And of course, of course, as many of them should be based in Brisbane, Queensland and Australia, uh, because I believe that digital literacy levels of regions could become benchmarks for global investors. So, so to be able to, to quantify digital literacy uh, could be a very, very uh, important item for Australia. And something we will cover in the PwC chair, I'm sure, on the research um, agenda. If I take a step back from government now and I say I'm a small business or a corporate um, decision maker sitting out listening to this podcast, you know, every day I'm being bombarded with statistics and facts and new emerging um, technologies that are coming at me. Um, tell me a little bit about how I should process that and how on earth would anyone or any organisation, small or large, perhaps small is more important, ever get across the, the breadth of this subject matter and make sense of it in order to write strategy and actually implement and make changes in your organisation? And Monica, certainly for a lot of small business people, they are so immersed in what they're doing that what we're trying to do with the Chair of Digital Economy is give them a place to look for good answers and to narrow down the, um, the, the fuzziness around the edges. So kind of a place of truth or a, a resource yeah, a, centre? A, a resource centre, a place to, to learn about new, mm. you know, new thoughts, new, new research that can be applied in their, in their space. So the, the beauty of the chair is that it's a combination of two disciplines we bring together science and engineering and business. And we know that at the intersection of disciplines, you get great problems and really good solutions because we've got people with different mindsets looking at a problem, working together to solve it. So we would hope that for business people, they could look to the chair as a place where resources are housed and where there are activities that they can engage in. I couldn't agree more, Rovina. I think what we try to provide is the, the trusted and early voice to the outside world. Okay. Trusted, as you highlighted, uh, fact-based, and where possible, guiding you in terms of where the future is heading. We can't with certainty predict the future, but we want to increase that certainty based on our research. And the second item is we want to be an early voice. So yes, Monica, a lot of organizations and individuals get bombarded with facts, but who filters that sort of noise? And second, who makes sure that the things I haven't heard 
get tabled early on. So the notion of environmental sensing, articulating uh, cases, emerging trends as early as possible so that we can shorten, whether you're small or large, the innovation latency that becomes so crucial, meaning from the time you hear about it to the time it's implemented, we need to accelerate that that uh, phase. Mm. We've talked a lot today, I guess, and focused a lot on the early part of the value chain around thought leadership, getting the mindset right, running experiments, doing research. But really, the rubber hits the road when we have products in the marketplace, when we create new businesses, when com- when practices within government change, when practices within organisations change. Tell me a little bit about how the accelerator lab or the commercialisation end of the PwC chair in the digital economy um, can help the different st- stakeholders of big businesses, small businesses, government. So we're excited to, to partner here with PricewaterhouseCoopers, the government and Brisbane Marketing to provide consolidated resources. So the Innovation Hub at PwC the CUBE and related infrastructure at QUT uh, will provide crucial assets, not only to increase the quality of your development and commercialization process, uh, but in particular to accelerate this. Um, what we also provide, in addition to physical infrastructure or like thinking capacity, there's development and design capacity. There's capacity to experiment, to test and trial. And we engage not just academic expertise, but also the the vast amount of our digital natives across two, if not even more, faculties. And that's a that's a resource that we need to value uh, and involve where possible, because the 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 low cost early testing of ideas will increase the the success rate and the conversion of some crazy ideas into commercial products. And you've got to remember, of course, QUT is a university for the real world. Mm. And what we do with students is all about ensuring that they're equipped, ready to get out there in the real world. We have thousands of students, thousands of students who in their classes are looking for real world engagement. So businesses, should you have an idea, could bring them to the university, could we could find potentially find students who can help solve problems with business. So a much more direct uh, sourcing of applied knowledge uh, and applied Absolutely. learning, really, by using real corporate problems and government problems in, inside of coursework. Yeah. Seems like a university of the future. <laughs> it's a university for today. <laughs> future real works, yeah. So in terms of the um, PwC chair, could we maybe get down to the granularity? If I'm a corporate out there and I think, well, this sounds interesting to me, but, you know, how might I engage with it? What kind of services could I do? Or, you know, do I have to be a very wealthy person that comes and spends millions of dollars to, to be part of it? The ambition of the chair is to be as inclusive and as tailored as possible. So we understand that a large corporation uh, has a very different um, problem context than to the smaller, medium-sized uh, organization or to the, to the young entrepreneur who's maybe still a student with us. Um, So we want to tailor, first of all, our services to these different cohorts. Second, we try to provide services that are capturing the awareness building exercise, the environmental sensing, the building up of of thinking capacity or digital mind in the early stages. Uh, The second phase is what we call acceptance. So once we have enough awareness among our boardroom employees and customers, which of these trends that we observe truly matter? Which goes back to what we talked earlier, the kind of filtering. I can see robots or 3D printing emerging, but do I know if they matter to my organization or not? And and once I understood which digital trends matter to me, we also want to help you with the third stage, the action. 
Uh, and we just talked about the notion of experiments, design, prototyping. So the notion of the chairs here to build awareness, to help you to, to accept and understand which of these trends matter to you, and then help you uh, on speed, uh, in speed and then on scale to, to implement some of those ideas. And Rowena, from the management school's perspective, um, do we see the management school participating in all of those areas around research, capability building, um, designing and commercialising new products? Absolutely. I mean, it would be um, very problematic for us to ignore what goes on in the context of business and in changing the shape of business, mm -hmm. the form of business, the nature of business. We have to be there. Um, we have to work to understand that and in developing those understandings, share it widely as well. Mm. And those understandings aren't developed by us looking at or researching on. They are only they only come about by working with business. So I guess what I'm hearing from is that the, a partnership or collaboration or engagement with the PwC chair in the digital economy provides uh, our corporate citizens and government with um, access to some of these unexplored areas that are largely invisible or, uh, or uninterpretable in the public domain. So they're reading the newspaper and they're seeing, you know, robots are going to take over the world, I'll lose my job. But we can be a troth of, well, what are the opportunities in that as well as, I guess, the, uh, the threats that might exist? And we can't do that in a university on our own. We have to do that in partnership with industry. We can only see what industry needs or knows if we can partner with them and undertake that research with them or undertake some practice with them. Otherwise, without industry, it's a bunch of thought bubbles, uh, we need to know what is actually going on in business so we can then develop new thinking and ensure that others, if you're feeling pain, that others don't also feel that pain. And I guess this is a good point. So we talked about innovation latency early on, the idea that it takes organizations a long time to implement ideas. At, at a university, we face research latency. Uh, so research latency is the time it takes from a concept emerges to credible research has been conducted. And I see this chair as an opportunity to reduce the innovation latency at the start of our industry partner, but also that they help us to reduce research latency on our side. So we do real world research even faster. Yes. Oh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> it's going to be great. What a great, great wrap for the <laughs> PwC chair in the digital economy. Um, we had a great event last night and we look forward to how can people get in contact with us and, and engage with the chair? So as a digital native, you would argue, just Google the chair in digital economy <laughs> and you'll find us. <laughs> Or we can look at www.chairdigitaleconomy.com.au or you can uh, hashtag, uh, hashtag digital economy yeah. or at chair digital economy. We've been here today with Professor Roseman, the head of the information school at uh, Queensland University of Technology and his colleague uh, Rowena Barrett, who is uh, the head of the management school. I'm Monica Bradley. Thanks very much for listening.